Good morning. I am excited about bringing the third part of this series that we've been in. Next week, we're going to begin a Christmas series called Season of Light. But uh, today, we're finishing up our series called Hold Fast. Hold Fast. Hey, how well do you understand your faith? How well do you understand it? Maybe you're someone who wouldn't yet even describe yourself as a person of faith. Maybe that's why you're here, you're trying to figure it out, like figure out faith. But how well do you understand it? And if you are a follower of Jesus, if that's your story, do you understand your faith well enough that you would be able to simply describe your faith to a friend and tell someone else about this Jesus that you believe in. That really is the point of this series that we have been in, to give us a simple understanding, yet a powerful understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a person of faith. The series is based on one verse, it's there in your notes. It's based on one verse that has five powerful ideas within just a very short statement. These are like interconnected ideas, five ideas. And what you, what you discover is that when you actually come to understand these ideas, you'll begin to see them over and over and over again all through scripture. Because even though they're all contained in this one verse, man, they are just spread out powerfully through the entire, entirety of God's word. So we're going to be taking a look at those. And let's just read really quick this verse together. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly. I want all of you to say it with me. I, I need a little help this morning. Let us hold unswervingly. Pause right there. Now, in some translations, it says this, let us hold fast, right? Hold fast. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope, everybody, to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Yes. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Now, my heart in this whole series is to get this scripture and this model so embedded in your soul and in your mind that like when you think about faith, these are natural ideas that flow out and that you are able to share with those around you. So let's unpack these five ideas. And what we've been talking about in the past weeks is that they actually flow kind of logically from the end of the verse to the front of the verse. Now, if you're a Spanish speaker, you get that more intuitively, right? Because if you're a Spanish speaker, adjectives come after, right, the noun. So, you know, if I'm going to introduce you to a girl, you know, in English, you know, I would say I'm going to introduce you to a pretty girl. And right away, you're just like, woo, okay, I'm going to be meeting a pretty girl. But in Spanish, you don't know that right away. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you to a girl. All right. 
Pues es bonita. <laughs> Chica bonita. And the reason I want to introduce you to her comes afterwards, right at the end. And then it explains like, oh, that's why you want to introduce me to this girl. Okay, because she's a pretty girl. So those of you that are Spanish speakers, you understand this kind of intuitively already that sometimes the reason for something comes at the end. And that's the truth with this scripture. And so what we've done in this model, and you can go ahead and put it up on the screen, is, and you can write this in. If you, if you weren't here with us in past weeks, I want you to write those things in in these five areas. Number one, what we learn in Hebrews 10, 23, the first idea is that we have a faithful God. Praise the Lord. Amen. For he who promised is faithful. And then secondly, we see that he makes promises. That's number two. He makes promises. And then what that does within us, point number three, is it ignites hope. It ignites hope. And then we're to do something with that hope. There's two other things. It's, what, it's the beginning of the verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And so number four is that this is a hope that we're to share. We're to share this hope within us. And then the last one, number five, has to do with this hold fast idea that we're to hold to this hope. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So over the past couple of weeks, uh, I'll just break it down for you. If you, if you haven't been here, uh, this will help, help you to uh, catch up to where we are. And uh, if you were here, this would be a helpful reminder. But we started by talking about that all true faith begins with our understanding that God is faithful. Faith is not about me, if I can just hold fast enough, if I can just hold on hard enough, then I'll come to faith. Like it's up to me to like do all the work. And what we, what we see here is that that's, that's not actually what it says, is that it is God's faithfulness, his faithfulness, his ability to hold fast to me. Like when my hands are getting weak and my fingers are starting to slip, you know what? I get to rely on the fact that his hands never grow weak. His fingers ain't slipping off of me. All true faith begins with an understanding that God is faithful. His word even tells, we read it this week, if you've been reading in our 260, when we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. So even when I blow it, even when my fingers start to slip, he's got me. I don't have a slippery faith. Not good? And that's what we, so we started by talking about the fact that all true faith begins with the understanding that we have a faithful God. And then secondly, Pastor Kalen brought a great word last week about the second thing, that we have a God who is not silent. We have a God who has made promises. These great and precious promises, and it's those promises that then are like the fuel for this hope that we have inside of us. So that's where we've been over the past couple of weeks. We have a faithful God 
who has spoken promises. And I love what Kaylin said, where there is no promise, there is no hope. Because we're not just like wishing that there was a God who was real. We're not just wishing, you know, that, hey, that maybe there's this God being. No, we, our hope is based on the very word of God, the very promise of God that he has made for us. But, so that's where we've been. Faithful God has made promises, but that is not the end of our faith story. It goes on from there. And I wanna give you just like an illustration of, you know, maybe some of you, this, this will help to just to kind of connect all these five pieces. And I wanna show you a, a little simple image of a, of, of a motor, an engine. This is like an internal combustion uh, engine right here. And it's got some different parts to it. I don't know if you know that this is what is happening within your gas-powered vehicle. Now, if you've got an electric vehicle, this doesn't, this doesn't work at all. But I want to show you how this, like an internal combustion engine works. This is very, very simple. I know Doug Mason's going to come to me afterwards and say, yeah, you, you got some of this wrong. But these are the very, very simple, simple parts, okay? Number one there are cylinders. That's kind of that gold tube at the, kind of at the top where something's happening in there. There's cylinders. Now, maybe your car has a four-cylinder engine. Maybe some of you got this really powerful eight-cylinder engine, whatever. But the cylinder is what contains the work of the engine. Like what's happening, where the magic happens is inside the cylinders. Then there's a second part, and it's the piston. The piston here is kind of represented, kind of white, silvery. It, it, it's these little, like, pucks, and they're, they slide up and down. They move up and down within the cylinder, okay? So we got cylinders, there are these tubes, then we got these pistons that are going up and down inside of those tubes. But then there's an important ingredient, and it's the fuel, and you kind of see it right there, those little dots. It's like, you know, you've heard of fuel injectors and why you have to keep them clean and that sort of thing. It's because there's this little boop, there's this little spurt of fuel that is injected into the cylinder. Then we get to the fourth part, and that's really important because you gotta have a spark plug, right? So why you got spark plugs is because what's happening, that spark plug ignites that little itty bitty burst puff of fuel, and what happens is, is it creates literally like this little miniature explosion inside the cylinder. Boom. When that happens, it drives that piston down, right? And so you've got this, all these, those are all little miniature explosions. Your engine is like this little controlled explosion device. All of these like thousands of little explosions. Brrr, those are all these little explosions driving that piston up and down. Why? So I can rev my engine and it sounds really cool? No. It's because there's another part and it's the crankshaft that, that's there. And I'm probably getting the, the word wrong, right? But anyway, it's that, it's that little bar attached to the piston. And so when that piston is forced down, that, that shaft that moves and it spins, that's, what's, that's what actually is attached to the drivetrain of your vehicle so you can actually go somewhere. That there would be movement. 
Because the purpose of the engine is not to just rev, it's to go somewhere. It's to move. So why am I sharing this with you? Because I think these parts are very relevant to these kind of five ideas that we see in Hebrews 10, 23. Last week, Caitlin talked about the promises of God. That's the fuel. You are loved by God. That's his promise. And it's just like injected into this, kind of like this fuel or this, this, this faith engine in my soul. This little injection of a promise. You are loved by God. He came to bring you life, to set you free. Promises. This little injection of fuel in there, right? He's come to bring you salvation and healing and restoration in your story. And it's like, whoa, fuel. And then the Holy Spirit, we see this in scripture, the Holy Spirit is the spark plug. It is the Holy Spirit who causes that fuel to be ignited in your soul, right? Boom, there's this explosion and you go from someone who was hopeless to hopeful. You go, to some, go from someone who was without hope to someone with hope. Why? Because the promise came in and was ignited by the Holy Spirit. And it might have started really small. It might have just been this little boop. Or it might have been this bam explosion. Because everyone's story is a little different. But this is always how it works. There is no hope without God's promise. It's the promise of God ignited by the Holy Spirit within you that brings hope to life within us. But again, that is not the end of the story. And that's where we get to the first part of Hebrews 10, 23. It's the activation part. How does this process within us of God's promise, spoken by a faithful God, ignited by his Holy Spirit to bring hope within me, how is that to like actually drive our faith? How does it make movement? How do we get faithful movement in our lives out of this process? And that's what we see in the first part. Let us hold unswervingly to this hope we profess. And what I'd like you to do, take your little diagram right there, and I want you to draw a diagonal line. We're gonna put it up here, kind of like from one o'clock to about seven o'clock on there. I want you to draw a little diagonal line there through this simple model. Because everything that we've been talking about up to this point, that there is this faithful God who speaks promises, it ignites hope within us, all of that right there, and you can just, on that right-hand side, you can just put the word invisible. It's invisible. Like, you know what's going on. Nobody else does. It's like it, it, something has begun to be formed within you, but that hope is internal. I can't see the hope within you. I can't see it. it it's invisible. But that's not where this story ends. Because on the right-hand side, we find that we are to share this hope and we're to hold on to this hope. That is the visible part. See, I should be able to watch your story, Mike. 
Come on, right? And see, oh, this is a guy who has a hope inside of him based on the promises of a faithful God. Our faith is never meant to remain invisible, so that on that, on that left-hand side, put the word visible. One is inside, one is outside. There is something happening within us, but it's not meant to just stay within us. It's meant to be lived out. Do you see how these five ideas are just all totally connected? You may be sitting there already like having ideas or thoughts or like, oh man, that reminds me of another scripture because these ideas are seen all through the Bible. This is how James kind of unpacks this, talks about this. Look at James 2, 14 through 17. He, he says this and he asks some questions. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions. See, faith is always meant to be acted upon. What good is to have a faith if you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Whew, hard question to wrestle with. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye. Have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Woo. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Wow. I mean, that's like, he's laying it down, right? He's swinging the big lumber here, coming after it. Because he's saying, it's great that you have a, a new hope within you. It's fantastic that you've, like, there's this internal life that you've gone from death to life, from hopeless to hopeful. Wonderful. But if that doesn't actually make a difference in your life, in your story, he says, what good does that do? Because our faith was, listen, your faith was never intended to only be good news for you. It's meant to be good news for others. Let me say it again. What God has done inside of you is not only supposed to be good for you, it's meant to be good for others. So we've got to find ways to get this hope within us outside of us. It's got to leak out. It's got to be going back to that image of the, of the engine. We got to like have faithful movement in our life. We got to go somewhere with our faith. That making sense? You with me? Woo. Our faith starts invisibly but it's meant to go public. And so he has these two ideas. Share this hope and hold on to this hope. Jesus said this, 1 John 4.15, all who declare, say that word declare. declare. 
all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. See, this relationship is meant to be declared. It's meant to be spoken. It's meant to be professed. Like, it's, it's got to be leaking out of us. It's, if you have a living relationship with Jesus, you're going to talk about Jesus. You can't help it because he's good. It's like, if you go up to Sister Rose and start asking her, hey, what do you believe? What, what, tell me about your faith. Guess what? She's going to say, it's about Jesus. He's faithful. He's my savior. He's my healer. He's the one that set me free. In him, I have my hope. He's good. It's just going to leak out of her. She can't help herself because that invisible hope, that invisible faith has found movement. It's got to come out. You're going to declare it, Jesus says. I love how the apostle Paul talks about this. Such a beautiful passage that I've been meditating on over the past couple of months that I think really speaks right to this idea of sharing this hope. Listen to what he says. It's in 2 Timothy. He's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. And he says this. Remember Jesus Christ. <laughs> Raised from the dead. Descended from David. Let me, let me just pause right there for a second. To his audience, what he is describing right there is both the, a faithfulness of God. Even this whole descended of David idea, to his audience, he, he was speaking something that would remind them and clarify to them that, no, this is a God who is faithful. This is the Messiah we're talking about. This is the promised one. He's connecting it to the promise all the way from the through the Old Testament, bringing it right there, saying, this is the promised Messiah, you guys. And he was dead. Went to the cross for you and me, but he didn't stay dead. This is the resurrected Jesus we're talking about. Oh, so we're talking about this faithful God rooted in promise. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. This is it, you guys. You, didn't, you don't need to know any more than this. This is, you know, the word gospel means good news. This is the good news. In some translations, it'll even say, this is the, this is the good news that I proclaim. There is this idea here that Everything about my story is wrapped up right here in these simple facts that Jesus died and rose again. This is my gospel. In other words, this is my hope. But then he goes on. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But then listen to this. But the word of God cannot be chained. Woo! Not good. Paul's like, this is my gospel. This is what I talk about. This is what I profess. 
And I do it everywhere at every opportunity. And if you know Paul's story, that's how he lived. And he did it whether the opportunities were good or whether the opportunities were really hard. And he's saying, man, right now it's been hard. I'm like chained up in prison because of this good news. But guess what? Don't bother me. Because God's word cannot be chained. Even while I'm here in prison. I mean, listen, here it is a couple thousand years later. What are we doing? We're reading his words. He's reading of his gospel. We're reading. We're proclaiming it all over again because God's word cannot be chained. It can never be held hostage. No matter how dire the circumstance, God's word can never be held hostage, can never be chained. But let me ask you a tough question. Why is it in so many of our stories that God's word seems to be chained up and held hostage inside of us? Why is it that we aren't better at unchaining and releasing God's hope-filled promise to the people around us? I think many of us get bound up with the chain of fear. We think, oh gosh, I'm afraid I'm gonna be misunderstood. And if I start talking about Jesus, I'm gonna be misunderstood. I might be rejected. If I start to like actually proclaim this hope within me to others, if I begin to profess it, it might even like create a split in relationships with people I care about. Like my family may not all get this. My coworkers, there may be a split, like a division. Maybe my neighbors, my neighborhood might get all thrown into a mess, man, if I start really professing this hope within me. And so we get bound up, we bind up the gospel. It gets like chained up within us and that is never to be, I mean, it's like this is the hope we profess. Like Jesus said, this is what we declare. Well, Paul says, this is my gospel. This is the good news that I communicate. I think we need to bring those fears to Jesus and begin to say, God, I, I don't know how this is all gonna work out. Maybe I will end up like Paul, like chained up in prison, but guess what, Lord, I, I, I'm just gonna trust you with that. I'm gonna trust you with that. Now listen, that does not give us the right to go out and be idiots in the name of Jesus. Because when you read through the New Testament, you, you, you read and you learn, oh, we're actually to speak this hope, this, we're gonna profess it in a certain way, and that is with gentleness and with love, with kindness, Amen. with patience. Yeah. We're not to just get out there and just like beat people up like with the truth, right? This is true, this is God's promise, you need to believe it, you know, and hit him over the head with it. No, we're just supposed to profess it, proclaim it, share it. Let it leak out of our soul. This hope is never meant to be contained within us. Do not allow the hope within you to be chained up inside. You catching it? 
I want to like help you get that hope within you, out of you. I, I just so want our church to be known as a group of people who don't just gather because of this internal invisible hope and we keep it kind of boxed in and invisible within these four walls of our campus. My great hope as the pastor of the Santa Maria Foursquare Church is that SM4 would be known as people who share their hope, who get that hope lived out, put it into action. Because, man, I don't want to pastor a church, a whole bunch of us with a dead and useless faith, the way James describes. And so, hey, on your way out, you're going to find that we're making some stuff available to you today. I've, I've got, got some up here. Do you have that little bag right there? So some of you are aware that um, we got, we got, you know, like, don't let, don't let your parade get rained on. Well, our parade got rained on last night. <laughs> but here's the cool thing. We had packaged up almost a thousand of these cool little bags. It, inside these little bags, we were going to give these out on the parade route last night. And so there's a flyer inviting people to join us for, for uh, Christmas, to join us for our, our Christmas series. It starts next week. It's called Season of Life. On one side, it's in English. The flip side is in Espanol. And then there's some Christmas candies in there. And we are going to give you as many as you can handle. What, do you, what, are you, what would you like to do with these? Man, think about, even right now, like, man, who could I invite to come and participate like in a couple of Christmas services in the next couple of weeks? Take as many as you'd like. Pass them out. Students, coworkers, neighbors, family members you've been praying for, like, invite them. And just as a simple way of like, hey, let your hope leak out, guys. Don't keep the hope of Christmas inside of you. Profess it by just saying, hey, this is awesome. I want you to be here. And then we also have Bibles. And our, we love to give out Bibles for free. Like we never charge for Bibles. This is God's word. This is like the foundation, right? In here are the promises of our faithful God. And I don't know but where you work. Uh, maybe you drive a, a delivery vehicle or something like that. Maybe you could take a Bible and just stick it on your dashboard and it's just like, like read it, okay? But it's also like a witness. And like, it's just like wearing a t-shirt. Like, like I went into my son's office. He's a, he's a PE teacher. I was, uh, you know, we went and visited them in Idaho last week. I went into his, like, his office and he's got a bookshelf, coaching, 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 Bible, coaching, coaching, coaching. And it's like every student that comes into his, his office is gonna see he's got, his Bible right there. It's a witness. It's a way to say, this is what my hope is built on. Sometimes even without even saying a word, it communicates, oh, you're one of those hope people. If you want a Bible and you do not have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible for free. So there's stuff that you're gonna find in the lobby on your way out today just to help you do what? Profess the hope that is within you, profess it. Because, you know, in these t-shirts, you know, they don't just say hold fast. If I was to like unbutton my shirt just a little bit more, and you take it right now, it's Hebrews 10, 23. Like the, the, the imagery is cool, but it's like, 
Hebrews 10.23, you know, what is that? Oh, let me tell you. Man, that's where, we, that's where we're reminded, man, that God is faithful and that he's spoken promises. And it's on those promises that I like have, I've come to hope. Do, do you know God's promises? Let me share a promise with you. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his very best, right? Listen, simple ways of just starting conversation so that your hope can leak out of you. And, and, and we really do need to just trust the Lord with those professions. We don't know where they're gonna go. We, we know, is everybody gonna listen? Is everybody gonna immediately like have hope spring up in their lives? No, not everybody, not right away. But you know, you never know what God is gonna do with that seed that was planted within them as you just spoke out those promises of our faithful God. I was reminded this week of a, of a very close friend of Kelly and uh, Kelly and myself. His name's Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim Scott uh, was, he's, he's reti- just retired in the past c- couple of years, but man, very influential in our lives. He was a district supervisor of the whole Southern California region, 254 square churches. He became the global leader for four square missions. The guy's done some amazing uh, ministry and traveled the world uh, professing this hope. But you know what? He didn't give his life to Jesus till he was in college. Went to Fresno State. And Jim was... At Fresno State, didn't know, didn't have any relationship with God, right? There no, nothing going on within that faith engine in his soul. Uh, he'd heard some promises, but you know what? They, they'd just been dormant, hadn't come to life, no explosion of hope within him. He and some buddies went and saw the exorcist. Now that kind of tells you how old Jim is, okay? But told you he was already retired. He was so freaked out. I mean, like spiritually freaked out when he went and saw that horror movie that was all filled with the demonic and just, la. Ah! He went back to his dorm room at Fresno State, got on his knees. And do you know what God replayed for him? He had gone to a youth group a handful of times because as he tells it, he was there to check out the girls. That's why he went to youth group. Never listened, never paid attention to what that youth leader was saying. But you know what? When he got on his knees and came before God, all he could hear was that youth pastor's voice telling him the promises of God were real and that they were for him. And he right there on, in his dorm room at Fresno State said, Jesus, I caught, and boom. You know what happened? Those promises that had been dormant for years, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit ignited those, that spark plug. And all of a sudden, hope exploded in his soul. Gave his life to Jesus. And I'm so glad he did because our lives have been so beautifully impacted by him. You guys, we have a hope that we're to profess. Very last thing is that, number one, what are we to do? We're to hold fast to it. Not only proclaim, but we're to hold fast to it. I'm just gonna make this really brief because we've been talking about this through the whole of this three-part series. We're told over and over in scripture 
the word to persevere, the word to stand strong. Jesus says something in, uh, that we're not gonna turn to, but as he's talking to his disciples about the last days, he says things are gonna get pretty rough. And when you read what Jesus says, it sounds like, wow, maybe we're living in those right now. But Jesus says, but the one who stands firm to the end, stands firm, holds fast. It's the one who stands firm to the end who will be saved. Like over and over we're told in scripture, hold fast. But I want to remind you as we close this series off that it is not about our strength and like I've just got to muscle up and I've, I've got to like hold on and I've got to like live this somehow this perfect life where my, my fingers never slip. And No, friends, what we are holding on to is the hope. We hold fast, not to our own strength or our own faithfulness. We hold fast to the hope that is there because of God's promise. That's what we hold fast to. That even when I am unfaithful, he remains faithful. I can hold fast because he holds fast to me. I can learn to become faithful because I serve the God who is faithful, will never let me down. Jesus, we come before you, Lord, hopefully more sure of our faith because of understanding these five powerful ideas that we have a faithful God who speaks promises, that ignites hope within us, that we profess and that we hold fast to. Jesus, that's our story. This is my gospel. <laughs> God, help us to hold fast to you and help us be people who profess, who don't hold this hope within us so that it somehow stays invisible, but that God, that we would find creative ways to make your hope visible. Because what starts inside of us, Lord, is always meant to come out. Friends, I wanna, I wanna just tell you this, because I don't know each person's story that's here today. But the first profession of our hope, the first profession of our hope is when we say yes to Jesus. When we say, Jesus, that promise that you have for me, that you love me and you gave your life for me, God, I, I, I believe that. I, I put my trust in that. I say yes to that. And as we do, we're meant to profess it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that that life, that spiritual life begins within us, but then we are to declare it. We are to profess it. And so I want to just invite you, if you have never made that first profession of the hope within you, it may have been there for a while, but you've never told anyone, man, I 
am a believer in Jesus. I have put my trust in him. My hope is not on myself or anything else. My hope is in Jesus. Maybe you've never told somebody, or maybe, and even just this morning sitting here, that this has become so clear to you, that you say, I understand, and I wanna be a part of this. I want to be a person of faith in Jesus. So maybe this will be your first profession. Jesus, I believe in you. And if you wanna make that profession of your faith this morning, I wanna agree with you. And you can just like, with everybody else, their eyes are bowed, their eyes are closed, heads are bowed. They're not looking around, they don't care. Just look up at me and wave and say, that's me. I wanna say, this is me. Yeah, bro, I agree with you. God's hope is within you. All of his promises are good and true and they are for you. Anybody else say, I wanna profess my hope. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Yeah, a profession of hope, yes, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, bro. Thank you, thank you, yeah, man. Yeah, I see you in the back there. Jesus, thank you. Lord, that this is our gospel, that Jesus died and rose again and has promises for us. This is our gospel. This is our hope. Jesus, we love you. Lord, I ask that you would empower the sharing that's gonna take place this week in homes, in office places, in neighborhoods, as we invite people to just come and participate in what God is doing in the Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ministry team, I'm gonna invite you up. Hey, listen, don't leave without prayer. If you need prayer for any matter, we've got a great ministry team. We'd love to just agree with you, pray for you. If you feel like you've been bound up in fear and it's like, man, it's so hard to share, I want you to come up and receive prayer this morning and say, hey, I don't wanna be bound up by fear. I wanna unchain this hope within me. Go for it. Let's profess that hope, amen? amen. Love you, church family.